While Emer is in silent mode, I'm reading her blog post. I'm Liz Fitzgibbon. I'm an actor from Yall in County Cork. I was actually in the year above Emer in drama school and although she claims to have been terrified of me at the time, she's now one of my dearest, dearest pals. So I'm absolutely honoured to be giving her brave and beautiful blog a voice. I am the voice. Having the surgery on my vocal fold in 2017 was stressful, but it brought this newfound understanding of my voice, well, voices in general. The fright I got way back at the beginning of all this when I thought my voice was damaged beyond repair made me realise a lot of things. How I'd strongly tied my voice to my identity, who I was, how I communicated, I know, I know that's a given, my work, who I was as a teacher, as an actor, and who I was as a friend. Voice notes in WhatsApp groups are a lifeline. They're so personal. It's a nice way to sit with someone, feel connected when you can't meet face to face. I love that feeling when you hear a friend telling you something they are excited or happy about, and you know they're smiling because you can hear it in their voice. The same way you can hear in a voice if someone isn't feeling great. And you know you can respond with a voice note that hopefully offers some comfort. I remember being told by someone that they watched my Insta stories because they found my voice soothing. For the record, it was a real person. Someone I actually know. Not some creepy Insta account who followed up with a request for a picture of my feet. But it made me really think about how your voice affects people. How it leaves an impression on someone. And how I feel when I hear other people's voices. It's funny because almost everyone, when they hear their voices played back, find their voice jarring. They don't like the sound, claim it doesn't sound like them. I used to be like that, but when I started to do voiceovers, all that changed. I began to appreciate my voice, enjoyed using it. But since the operation, I'm really proud of my voice. It's a huge part of who I am. I'm speaking literally here and not metaphorically. Although the same can be said of our voices as people, but that's for another blog. I also developed this weird sixth sense. I'm sure everyone has a level of it. You know when you're talking to someone whose voice is really strained and you can find your own throat starting to get tight? It's impossible to control. Sometimes if people are struggling to talk, I feel I can't take enough air into my own lungs. It's not just with strained voices. I think and feel it now when I hear people putting on different accents too. When I went to see Maura, not her real name, she told me that as an actor when you put on accents, you are flexing the voice muscle in a different way and so it can make the voice tired. It was something that I'd never thought of. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So now every time I do an accent, I think of myself as an athlete. Oh, if only I could burn calories that way, I'd be laughing. I can't say I really noticed feeling a strain from speaking in different accents. But come to think of it, maybe that is how I began to notice there was something up again. Step it up. My newfound love of my voice was well and good, but it seemed to only extend to my speaking voice, not my singing voice. I still had a fear of singing. And so it was as much trepidation that I auditioned for a musical comedy. If doing an accent was going to give my voice a workout, imagine what singing would do. To cut to the chase, I was cast in the musical and not only was I going to be singing, my character was from Louth, an accent that was so far removed from my own. This gig was going to be the voice equivalent of a legs and arms day in one, with some abs thrown in for good measure. Much to my relief, the gig went well. 
yes, my voice got tired. It could have been the singing. It could have been the accent. It could have been the million and one other things I had going on while also doing the show. It certainly had nothing to do with the pints we had after the show each night. But I never lost my voice. And in fact, I was never worried about my voice, which was a massive relief. I had finally sorted this voice thing and I was thriving on it. The year was a busy one work-wise, thankfully. I don't always get to say that, but it was. And my voice was standing the test of time. However, around April, I started to notice something wasn't right. I'd also come to learn that your voice is hugely affected by your emotions. There was a fair bit going on in my life, so I put it down to that and just kept on going as if there was nothing wrong. You can't deny it. I really started to notice something was up after I had a lovely break in Ackle to unwind and tried to do some writing. A few days of not talking to anyone, apart from the odd voice note, an absolute chill time. Yet when I came home my voice sounded tired. Not really noticeable but I could feel it. It was noticeable in the car. A four hour drive back from the island is the perfect time to belt out show tunes. But in doing that it was clear my middle register had disappeared again. I chalked it down to anything other than the cyst returning and continued to channel my inner West End Wendy. As the summer progressed, I was working on a few different projects with people who knew me well and knew my voice story. On days I was tired and I could hear it, I found myself saying to people, I think I need to get my voice checked. I have a feeling it's back. I was waiting for someone to say, well, go get it checked and push me to do it. I completely understand this is ridiculous, but it was where my head was at. I was using this skewed logic as an excuse not to do anything because I clearly wasn't ready to go there again. There were friends whose voices were struggling and knowing that pain and stress did everything I could to help and advise, well, to be fair, nag them. It was like I was offering this outpour as an avoidance. It seems crazy now looking back. I should have applied the same first aid to my own voice and booked an appointment for the consultant. But it took one very stressful week to push me to do it. I went back teaching after the summer break. It's always an adjustment period for the voice, getting it back into teacher mode. But this time something felt different, something wasn't right. So I made the call and booked an appointment to see my consultant. Optimistic Voices Friday the 22nd of November came and I was back in the waiting room trying to get a sneaky photo of the giant nose and ear on the wall. Outwardly I was optimistic that Mr Consultant would say there was nothing wrong but my head had diagnosed the fact that I had the same problem again except this time we'd realised it was caused by reflux and we had finally gotten to the bottom of it. I walked into the office and said hello. Mr Consultant smiled and responded with It's back is it? I told him I wasn't sure, but there was certainly something up. We had a quick chat and he sprayed me with a vile tasting anaesthetic for the scope, but this time told me to wait outside because he wanted to make sure it was really numb so as to have a good look. I told him I couldn't wait and went outside. Back in his office, he opened the sniper rifle box, as I affectionately call it, and began to look down my throat via my nose. And the exchange went something like this. Hmm... Well, that's unusual. I've never seen that before. Oh. You're for the knife again. Nothing to worry about. There is a cyst, but it's on the other side. Oh, great. It's really quite unusual. They have a tendency to come back, but not appear after time on the other vocal cord. Actually, they usually appear on both at the same time in the first instance. 
He was way more amused by this revelation than I was. But I felt safe in his hands. I was happy to let him operate again, given how well the last surgery went. He told me he'd take a photo of the vocal cords for me during the operation this time. He must know I'm obsessed with getting a good photo. Then we set a date for the operation. He was ready to do it in the next two weeks, but I had a panto to do first. He winced at the fact I was doing a panto. Why? I asked. To which he responded, They are very loud. Oh, what could I say? The man was right. We both laughed. I wished him a happy Christmas and went on my way. I walked away with no sadness, no stress, feeling like I was getting shit done and with a plan to happily take a practical approach this time. After all, I'd done this before. It was painless and easy the last time. This would surely be the same. Or so I thought. The person who was kind enough to lend me their voice for the podcast version of this blog post is my gorgeous friend Liz Fitzgibbon. I had a mini meltdown the night before I went in for the op and Liz gave me a hug, made me tea and let me whinge for a bit before herself and Rebecca chatted with me way past their bedtime. Thank you, pal, for all the teas and more importantly, the many chats. Terms and conditions apply. I'll be silenced for two weeks. When so I need to get all my talking out now. Visit www.silenceoftheshadowbox.com for more information.